Hello everyone and welcome. You're listening to DTSE Talks, the place to be to learn more and explore the life in Magenta. You wonder what's going on in the company? Where do we excel and what's our lessons learned? Join me as I delve into the life in DTSE and interview employees as well as guests to answer all your questions. I'm your host, Umay Mabuswab, and today we talk about the art of storytelling. Therefore, I invited Monica Dalariva and Regu Ram Tanumalayan from Dolce Telecom to shed a light on the power of storytelling. So stick around! Whether we realize it or not, we are always telling stories. As humans, we use stories to shape our existence, to connect with our past, and have a glimpse on our future. Storytelling has served many functions throughout history, mainly for the purpose of entertaining. However, its functionality does not stop there. We can also utilize this powerful tool in a business context. So today's episode will focus on exactly that. We learn from our experts the whys, the whats, and how it can help you articulate the essence of your message in engaging and creative ways. So without further ado, let's get started. Our guests today are Monica Dallariva, the Vice President of Design and Customer Experience in Deutsche Telekom, and Reguram Tanumalayan, the Senior Vice President and Magenta Program and Product Innovation within Deutsche Telekom as well. Hello, guys. I'm happy to have you here with me today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having us. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Mai. Great. Thank you. So I introduced you a bit, but before we kick it off, uh, it would be great if you can tell us a bit more about you and how you got into the storytelling, because you have really a rich um, background. So, Monica, maybe we can start with you. Perfect. Thank you. So actually, I just to start to say, so I really dedicated my whole career to innovation. So, and uh, I've been working for four companies in four different industries of three different nationalities. And uh, what I'm doing now is actually leading the design and customer experience team to really build the next generation of experiences so that we can engage better with our customers. And mm -hmm. storytelling is a big part in innovation to engage and get feedback and also express what we want to achieve. So that's the reason why I'm a lot into storytelling in mm -hmm. my daily job. Interesting. Yeah. And what about you, Regu? So I'm a software engineer by background, so I studied computer science. Oh. <laughs> you might be wondering, you know, what does yeah. storytelling have to do with that? Because I used to spend a lot of time writing code in my, let's say, early part of the career. But as I went through, you know, dealing with people and started taking leadership roles, uh, it was quite evident that, you know, storytelling was becoming a part of my way I was dealing with people in terms of presentations, talks and such. And happy to share some of those experiences that I've gathered from, you know, how do they go from a software engineer yeah. into more of these emotional storytelling. That's very interesting because you really, it doesn't uh, strike you that um, someone that's very technical is also involved in this uh, communication and storytelling uh, part. So looking forward to your, <laughs> to your tips and tricks. <laughs> Great. Um, thank you guys. So as I said today, the conversation is about storytelling And uh, although we are always telling stories, like right now we're talking about stories, whether we're on a job interview or family or with friends or even on a first date, we're telling stories, but we 
tend to really forget um, that we are doing that normally and we forget the power of storytelling. So how does storytelling really influence our lives? Can you remind us um, about the importance of, of, the, of this uh, approach in life? Um, well, maybe let's try to think that um, as human beings, we have always learned through stories. This is the most important tool that we have to pass information from one generation to another. So we are naturally used to use storytelling in our daily life. But probably the application of storytelling in business is something that nowadays has started to get a lot of traction and information. So The influencing part of storytelling is absolutely important because it helps people to get the message very clearly and smoothly and remember it that. Don't forget that nowadays we live in a super crowded world of information. So remembering uh, a good story is uh, absolutely difficult if there is no engagement and not a good storytelling behind that. Yeah. Storytelling is basically really a part of what it means to be human. And uh, it, it can help us understand um, each other and understand the world. But as you said, uh, the application in the business is, is what's uh, kind of new to us lately and kind of um, tricky. So how can you utilize uh, the storytelling in business? Um, why is it important to do so? So uh, if I ask you, my, you know, uh, to tell me, let's say, the most memorable movies that you've ever watched, I'm, I'm pretty sure you will come up with a long list of, you know, movies that, yeah. that you really like. And typically that goes back to the power of the story and the emotions that it involved. And if I ask you the same question, can you please name some of the, you know, most uh, memorable business presentations that you've you know, sat through? <laughs> Most people would, you know, really struggle with that uh, yeah. question, and, and and that's, I mean, we know it. I mean, most of the business talks and business presentations are typically dead by PowerPoint, um, and you know, this is where I I, I believe with all this uh, benefits of storytelling, which Monica just talked about, it's crucial to also bring it into the business world so that any message that you pass on as a leader or as a peer to others. When it has, you know, powerful stories and emotions behind it, people are much more likely to remember that uh, message than showing a full slide full of figures and facts and so which which are important. Mm -hmm. you know, that's where the ra rational part of the brain kicks in. But you know, as humans, we have, you know, we haven't really utilized the emotional part of the brain, especially in a business setting. So, which is why I think it's it's really important uh, in business that we really apply storytelling principles. Interesting. So it really does create the opportunity for us to, to connect, not just in the personal life, but really also in the professional life. Um, it does come handy, huh? Uh, but how does one start to consciously craft a story? Could you break down the storytelling principles for us? Because it seems just, you know, a vague, just a vague term. Well, actually, you know, storytelling are, um, are a technique. There are several techniques of how to do a good storytelling, first of all. And I think that's very important to know because everyone can learn how to deliver a good speech using storytelling techniques. Just to start first, for me, the most important part is reading your audience. To whom are you telling the story? Because if you are going with a story to a technical audience and without any numbers, most probably they will not be very inspired. But if you go to tell a story to 
a very diverse audience, it's very important to balance these messages right in the right way. Every story starts with a person that is telling the story. And this is the messenger. And it's very important, it's clear who is delivering the story and the language should be appropriate on that. But then there mm -hmm. is always a part where you also have an enemy, someone that is uh, bringing a hero to the story. I just give you an example. An enemy can be a crisis, an external crisis. An enemy can be a competitive uh, environment, a competitor, or can be many other aspects that you want to deliver in business, for example, right? So, so another side. One idea to simplify this technique is just to think about the story you have been told when you were a kid. And I do this with my kids as well, a bedtime stories. Like I told them always, a storytelling is break down in three parts. Once upon a time, and there is an introduction, unfortunately, something terrible happened or something um, unlucky happened. But luckily, we ended up with a good message. And this waves on how you tell this story is the way that we have been used forever to remember good information. So always start with oh, who yeah. you are when you <laughs> present yourself and then tell about which is the downside part and the lucky solution. Uh, another one is really using visuals uh, to get through that uh, um, because we remember, uh, we say also that one picture uh, is worth 1000 words. So, but there should be... It's, we just serve better with the, with the brain, exactly. right? So it's easier for us to remember pictures and graphics and, and simple shapes. But yeah. this mm -hmm. requires some uh, pre-work. That's very important because the image should be really fine in the uh, right quality and the right way yeah. and used with the right uh, moment of the story. And one image per slide and one keyword or two keywords, not more than that. Because people don't listen, don't... You have to decide, do you want them to listen to you while you deliver the message or they read the slides? Mm -hmm. And uh, once, many years ago, a very inspiring leader told me one point, like if you have a, a PowerPoint with a lot of information in that, it's because you don't know your story. So it's better you go there, there you know your story and uh, you have less information on the slides. You don't need that. Um, but this, for example, is uh, how you start uh, to, to tell a story, like uh, a bedtime story, basically. And this is the technique that you also use during your uh, business uh, presentations? It's, I always okay. use the same technique because that is the basic structure of the storytelling techniques. And it's the best one, I guess, no? It's the simple one. And the simplicity is a big part in storytelling. Avoid small ah. details. Get to the point. Okay. I always personally tend to deliver just three messages. I think that after a speech or a story, it's very hard to remember more than three clear, crisp messages. So, and I ask myself, what do I want that the audience remember at the end of my presentation? And these are the three key points of my full story. The rest, there will be another time where I can deliver the rest of part, but anchoring on three important messages, what I aim for, at least in my storytelling presentation. I, um, I knew about this rule of three for the bullet points, but I actually never thought about it for the whole presentation. And I, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> Great. So you mentioned presentations, um, uh, Monica, and also, uh, Regu, you mentioned uh, presentations with PowerPoints. And uh, as you said, 
you don't remember most of them because they're most of the time too long or complicated or just simply confusing. So can you share with us a good storytelling structure to create a uh, motivating presentations, how to keep your audience uh, with you engaged and uh, also how to get the message to them clearly without, uh, without confusion? Sure. So um, adding on what Monica said about first knowing your audience and then kind of this introduction, you know, then, then you present a crisis and then kind of go to solution. I think all stories, you know, be it presentations, they, they have these kind of three parts, like in movies, right? So these, the, I mean, the three acts. So there is an introduction, there is the middle part, and then the climax. I think you, you should look at your presentation just like that. So typically what I do is I start, you know, after knowing my audience, is I start the presentation or the talk or whatever it is, even calls even all hand session, uh, with a really engaging question or remark, because you do need to get your audience excited, right? So think about something which will really, you know, uh, like make them excited about what is it going to come for the next 20, 30 minutes, right? I mean, why should I listen to this person talking? So that's the art of attracting or engaging people at the beginning with the really, you know, a question or a remark. I mean, sometimes it can also be provocative, mm -hmm. right? I mean, provocation always <laughs> gets uh, people. Could it also be uh, the icebreakers that we are tending to do in, before every workshop or every meeting? I mean, icebreakers typically help to kind of, if you're in a, in a larger workshop, right, to this get is different. the flow going on. Uh, but what I meant here with that introduction is really something like, end of the day, your, your, your story starts with the title that you give to your presentation or to your talk, right? So it's also quite important to have it really catchy there. I just gave a talk yesterday, you know, where people asked me to talk about agile transformations. And my title was actually called Fragile. So it's a, you know, play, oh, play, play yes, on the word. Yeah. So it was like FR within brackets and then agile. And this really then, I mean, they don't know what is going to come. So they just know that I'm going to talk about fragile and so on and so for 20 minutes. Super. And um, the title, if, if you just uh, look at FR, it um, stands for for real. And your title is like for real agile. That's cool. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, see, these, these are all the interpretations people then start to think about. And, and then it gets them curious. I mean, what is it? I mean, this is agile, but then why is this person calling it fragile? Right. So. I mean, this is how you actually get them excited and hooked up, you know? So the title of your talk presentation, you know, uh, and maybe also an um, opening question or a remark that always helps. And then in the middle part, like Monica said, it's really crucial to have visuals, you know? So I typically go with almost no text. And if there is text, it's going to be really bullet points, but more visual because visuals really evoke emotions. I mean, you can always tell story with a visual. I, I typically do a lot of voiceover and then have the visual at the back because if not, like Monica said, people start reading your content and you have lost them, right? Um, and, and what also helps me is I, I sometimes tend to include personal stories in that, right? So it's not just business all the time. I mean, some of these things, you can always include your personal stories, which then makes you like the audience to identify with what you're uh, really saying. And, and, and don't be afraid of evoking emotions, right? Doesn't have to be try. Um, and one thing which I often do when it comes to uh, visuals is, I mean, going back to these, uh, my beginning as a technical uh, person, when I used to do, this, do these technical 
presentations. Like, you know, once we were analyzing uh, data from an aircraft, you know, so okay. which included time data in there, and there was a pieces of the data which was from the future. So we had data from 2017, right? So this was some mistake in the aircraft. So when I was giving that talk, I um, opened the presentation with putting uh, Back to the Future as the title. And uh, Marty McFly and Doc flying in the DeLorean, you know, which, which kind of already creates a curiosity and it was also linked back. So I, when I ended the presentation, I actually said, well, did you know why I, you know, like, because people are wondering after the talk, why is this title? So acknowledge Linkin Bank saying, now, you know, because there was really, you know, future data in that, uh, you know, data set with, that we were analyzing. And that's how we also close. So really visuals, imagery from movies and all of this really helps. Uh, to keep people both excited as well as curious and, and then they do remember. I think if I ask them, like, I don't know, three years down the line, they'll probably remember just uh, the uh, Marty McFly image, <laughs> uh, but but nothing else, right? But yeah. at least mm-hmm. that's what we say remember. And, and, and then coming to the third act, which is really the climax, right? I mean, when you end, um, typically it's good to kind of summarize the key things, like Monica said, you know, not more than three uh, points. Um, and, and also sometimes leave the audience with some thought-provoking questions, right? So it's so, so that there is something in there which they take back and not just having sit through your presentation and, and wondering, you know, what that was all about. So it's also good to have a really good climax and, and end where people feel that the time that they sat through your talk was, was really valuable. So that's how I typically structure my um, presentations or talks or sessions. Super interesting. Um, you mentioned the pictures, both of you did, but um, personally, me, what I struggle with is to find just the right picture that really translates the message that I want to, to, to give in that particular slide. Um, so I wanted to ask you, how do you get the right picture? Well, maybe one idea is that you start with the key message of that slide, right? So, and you look for a picture that exactly speaks about that. But remember, people will listen to you. They will just look at the picture, but the story comes from you. If you put words there, then the story comes from the slide Mm -hmm. and it's more complex. What I find more easy is to put the the picture without any word. And then my story is narrating the picture. So it's very important to spend some time to find good pictures. I believe that this is a very good investment in any one presentation. Um, there are several sites, websites where you can find good pictures, but also uh, getting inspired by others' presentations. Uh, I have always thought I've been working for two American companies before, and I tell you that they know exactly how to use pictures. So also getting inspired by other presentations, right? The best storytelling presentations is very important. Uh, it takes time, to be honest, to craft a very good storytelling presentation. It cannot be done just putting content on slides. It should be really uh, practiced many times before going there. And in the story, also the timing when you turn the picture from one to another is very important. Uh, typically, after I think about a message, I do look at, like, you know, there are internal telecom pictures that we can choose or even, you know, uh, mm-hmm. search in Google. But you should keep in mind all the copyrights and stuff, stuff like that. So it's always important to, you know, give credit for any picture that you use. I, I typically include a source of images if I, you know, use something also within the license terms. But it is difficult to find right pictures and it, and, and it takes time. So It's really an effort. 
but it's worth it as as you explained um, for for the presentations. But I assume that these are not the only situations where storytelling can help us, right? Could you give us some tangible examples where you used uh, storytelling aside of, of presentations? Yeah, maybe let's think about, uh, um, you, uh, you tell a story every time you speak. We are telling a story in this moment, right? So, and it's the same thing. So when you are in conversation with the people, you tell a story about what you deliver or you tell a story about what you want the other persons receive as a message. Uh, when you share a vision to your team, for example, is very important. Or when you want to pitch for a project mm -hmm. or pitch to your manager or your peers to support you in some activities. Uh, it's a daily routine of communication, actually. And um, so it should not be um, underestimated from my perspective. Um, as I mentioned, one of the first lessons I got about storytelling was when I was very young in my career and they told me, okay, what are you doing in the company? And it's a simple question, but you have to be clear about what you're doing and it should be yeah. an elevator pitch. So really a couple of sentences. So, and then I started to really get to the core and uh, understanding which is my role in the company's Uh, helping mm -hmm. the company to become more customer centric, right? So getting better to our customers. Um, but there are several moments where you have to deliver your pitch, um, even with uh, other contexts that are also in business and in your personal life. But getting back to the core of your message is exactly uh, the point. And uh, telling in the simplest way others relay rely to the emotions and also the meaning and the purpose you're trying to deliver. That's exactly uh, the why question, right? So sometimes. It's interesting. Um, it seems like also if, if you really practice this and do it consciously, when you try to really craft this story, you are also able to understand your message better. So it helps you uh, create a elevator pitch that is uh, to the point and that is understandable. So it helps you first understand yourself and then make better connections with others, right? Uh, absolutely. And and you may not believe this, but we are all salespeople. I think we are we are telling stories day in day out. You know, even <laughs> in personal <laughs> settings. So as Monica said, it's really important that we apply this storytelling in almost every place. But for, if you're looking for tangible examples, apart from mm -hmm. presentations, I mean, when I do all hands meetings, when I'm giving talks, I, like there are stories everywhere, you know, so you can basically turn any of those mm -hmm. communication or messaging opportunities into a storytelling opportunity. Yeah. I think it's, it's difficult to, to just get the hang of it, but once you figure out your, your, um, yeah, your process, I think it comes just easy and it becomes natural to, to use it. It's actually, it's an, it's like exercising or going to the gym mm -hmm. at the beginning is not comfortable <laughs> at all, but you can better and better as more you try out. There is no other way you can learn, right? Like the kids going, um, by, by learning to go by bicycle is the I same thing. I was looking for shortcuts. You try, try, try. That's the only way you can make yeah. it, right? So, um, but my suggestion is to try with some fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. It's okay. I mean, like at the beginning, maybe you adapt one or two techniques, but then more you go along with that exercises and better you become. So 
But if you never start, that's very hard you get there. So that's very simple. Yeah. Um, speaking of techniques, one thing comes to my mind when you're talking uh, when talking about a story in general is when you mess it up. <laughs> so um, my question is, how do you recover when you mess, mess up um, your story or your presentation? And um, what's your tip on that? I mean, here's a trick. Only you know that you messed it up. Your your mm-hmm. audience do not know because, you know, it's, it's your content, your story that you're telling. So the... Um, Let's say the tip to really recover is to kind of let go of that moment and then continue with our with your story. So mm-hmm. I, I think this is hard, but I think that's the only way. Like I, I do remember was um, I think it was early last year when still one of my uh, physical talks which I gave I was in front of uh, yeah a bunch of DT executives talking about servant leadership and it was at the end of the presentation that I was recapping those. Um, principles. There were six of them, mm-hmm. not three of them. <laughs> so, um, and I actually had a cue card with me just to remember them in case I forget. But as I started to tell them, I forgot the order, and I even didn't know what the fourth one was, which was terrible, you know. And I was searching for my cue cue card, which I'm, unfortunately wasn't to be found. But that's where the most interesting thing thing, thing happened. I mean, the audience started to help me. You know, so it was really a moment to engage with the audience and they were giving me like, you know, you can go back to that slide. It's there. So it, that was a really nice moment where you, you kind of, and the, the most interesting thing was I was talking about being vulnerable. So here, here I was being vulnerable on the stage, you know, even oh, forgetting super. things I wanted to say. <laughs> so that was, I mean, that's, that's also ways to turn some of these into really teachable moments. So, you know, it's, it's, it's how quickly you recover from the, I don't know, the uh, frustration or the fear or whatever that you are messing up to really getting over and then turning it around. I think that's, that's a way to recover from that. But again, only you know that. I mean, the rest of the people do not know your content. So it's, it's okay to make mistakes, but just quickly get out of that and then go ahead. Okay. It's about how you see it, right? It's about the mindset and how you perceive that, that mess up at that moment. And uh, how to yeah shift your your brain not to think negatively. Of course, yeah. of course. I mean, as as humans, we mess up all the time. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just accepting who you are and what you did, and then getting ahead. And I mean, sometimes that's really visible, like in my case. But most of the times, it is not. So it's just easy to recover. Mm-hmm. But even if it's visible, I mean, we all make mistakes. So you know, just get over and go ahead. Yeah, don't make it too complicated, right? Just accept that it's a mistake and yes. make maybe a joke about it and move on. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Um, what are other tips that you would like to share with us um, when it comes to yeah, what storytelling can help you in with life? Uh, well, actually, you know, I think also that uh, it's very interesting when you are authentic to yourself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that you are making mistakes and it's uh, perfectionism is an enemy in uh, nowadays complex worlds, right? So this does not mean that people should not be well prepared. That's absolutely important, but not to feel super perfectionist or rigid in a storytelling. I think that one of the most important part is really reading your audience faces. If you start to losing them, just change the tone of voice or increase uh, the speed of your words or get a new story inside the story. And uh, one part that I think it's very important is also um, making a call to action at the end. 
And what does it mean? You don't tell your story at the mirror for yourself. You know your story, right? You tell a story for delivering a message to someone else that will help you um, to achieve your goals in case of uh, creating messages for organizations, for example, or is uh, they are going to have an active role. But if you don't tell them which will going to be their active role, if you don't bring a call to action at the end of your presentation, it's very hard that they will feel part of the story. And this, the immersive part of the storytelling is absolutely important. You should to include them in your story. It's like in, in normal relationship when you talk to your friends or in your family or in your business, in your, in your normal life, like you engage with the other part, you ask information or you ask something to the other person uh, and you bring them in your story. So this part is very important, I think, because especially in the last 18 months, we have experienced the work from basically in a virtual way. And this has reduced dramatically the body language reading, right? So engaging others became even more important and good storytelling Mm -hmm. was, at least in my experience, one of the most important parts for keeping the team engaged. And uh, I believe that preparation is very important, but also uh, making sure that the audience is getting uh, uh, interest in your story and engaged and immersed. Um, it's reading the audience is really important during the full storytelling, I believe. And if you messed up, you messed up. It's okay. I mean, like you learn for the next time, basically. Right. But um, you say reading the audience, but as you said, in the digital setting, it's really quite hard to read your audience since it's not as um, before. But when you're digitally, how do you manage to, to do that? That's a, very, that's a very good point. So I can tell you what I personally experienced and how I changed my way of delivering stories during this last 18 months. So, um, so one, uh, just to tell you a small story in the story. So uh, immediately after the pandemic, I was planning a offsite with my full team. And it uh, was all planned and everyone was super excited. And uh, the pandemic came and we could have had two choices. I, one was uh, to cancel the offsite. The other one is turning it virtual. And we decided not to cancel because having uh, connection points were very important for me and the organization. So we turned it out in two days, virtual offsite. What we did, we changed the agenda. We reduced dramatically the timing to be on the screen and we increase the timing of uh, uh, being more in a dialogue than one-way presentation. And this taught me a lot because actually what I did after that, I reduced my presentation timing dramatically. I don't go more than mm. 15, 20 minutes and I enable more time for Q&A. And my story is uh, reinforced during the Q&A. And that, that was very important. I put much more pictures and less words in my slides because either they were looking at the picture of me on WebEx or they were looking at my slides and the two things doesn't go very well together, right? So, uh, but also try to engage people and having presentation with more speakers, for example. Uh-huh. Um, that was also one other aspect that helped a lot, not just having one person speaking, but in the 20 minutes, having maybe three people speak. This changed the tone of voice, this changed the rhythm and increased uh, um, uh, the engagement. One thing that is for sure true is that uh, there is a a virtual meeting fatigue that is very important to be considered. So 
my plea was really, I need to be very light, very enjoyable while I'm speaking mm-hmm. and very crisp on my three messages, not more than that, because the audience will be incredibly annoyed, but even worse, probably irritated by pr- my presentation, not respecting the audience uh, um, energy on the other side. Yeah. Um, here's a little secret. Um, as a child, and also when I was in the university, I was terrified of public speaking. Wow. Um, <laughs> you know, because as a, as a kid, I used to stammer. Uh, ah. And and that was that was a big impediment, and and I never really wanted to put myself out in front of people to talk. But then, as you get into work, and then you know, like based on your roles and leadership roles, you are supposed to do that. And the only way, like Monica said, you know, is also like like with sport, you need to do it. You just need to get out yourself, put yourself, and then you know, go through that process, and then with experience, and then you learn. Um, there are times, you know, before like big talks and stuff, I do feel nervous, but then, um, you always have these, you know, breathing techniques to make, make yourself calm. And the most important thing is actually not to try to remember the content. I mean, I usually rehearse before, Mm -hmm. but then before the talk, I don't really try to force myself to remember stuff because when you do that, your brain goes into a panic mode and then you kind of start to mess up all of that stuff. So. You know the story, you know, like I said, it's okay. You just go out. If you miss few items, it's fine because the audience wouldn't know it. So, you know, for me, it's important to keep the core points of the story in my head and not the actual words and stuff. Um, and, you know, there is this uh, interesting scene in the movie Cars. Um, I don't know if you have seen it, where, um, you know, before the race, uh, McQueen kind of closes its eyes and then just says, Speed, 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 <laughs> right? It's all, it's just thinking only about racing. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I typically try to get myself just, you know, get yourself into a calm mode and then just go there and then talk. And then the story just flows, yeah. you know, and, but I mean, it might sound easy, but it, it, it does take a lot of experience and preparation and, you know, uh, doing it multiple times. And then it becomes quite natural. Um, yeah, maybe some people don't like to present or feel very stressed um, if they have some speech impediment or even if they just don't speak the language very well, they would be very discouraged to present, although they have probably good good ideas. Do you have some tips on to, just to be comfortable and just to have this self-confidence that anybody can just give a really good presentation once you're, you're prepared for it? Do you have some tips just to mentally put that in your head? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just a disclaimer, I was a super shy girl. I know nowadays <laughs> wow. very hard to believe it, but actually I learned to give speeches when I uh, realized that it was not about me and wow. uh, was about the audience. And you do this is a gift. A story is a gift. It's not about you. It's about how you make the other feels. And this moved from the focusing on my emotions to the emotions of the others. And this helped me incredibly to be more calm on stages or on, on presentation and these things. So one technique for me or one tip to start a good storytelling is uh, really memorizing your opening uh, three, four sentences. That is usually the more complex uh, moment. Mm -hmm. And if you don't do it perfectly, it doesn't matter honestly, but having this uh, beginning uh, smooth, uh, I think it's then uh, giving you the trust that you can make all the rest of the presentation. So um, I can give you one, one point. For example, in my presentation, there is always so 
one slide. The first slide is a picture with three or four words. That's all. And that is my anchor point. And for example, when I have to give presentation about customer centricity or customer experience, I have a picture with people and there is just written, we are all customers every day. And this is turning a little bit from me telling others what is right to giving perspectives, for example. Uh, or another way is uh, to really uh, focusing on, uh, um, on uh, making a smile on the people. So uh, there are people that are more uh, happy to uh, share a small story at the beginning or uh, to make a kind of like a, a, a small joke around that. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, it depends a lot of the personality. I believe that everyone should be really authentic to the, themselves. Mm-hmm. And if someone is uh, very shy, the best way is really, they really prepare well the first three sentences, the icebreaking part, and the rest is going to flow very smoothly on that. Okay. That's one of, of the tips. Super. And, and don't forget to sprinkle your story with emotions. I mean, it can be comedy, it can be jokes, it can be, you know, sadness, it can be gratitude. So sprinkling, bringing emotions in is always a good way to create a story that sticks yeah, to connect with, with your audience. Super. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can share another tip for public speaking. Sure. This is maybe one of the points where everyone is really, really, and I felt dramatically the first time I was giving a public speech, actually. But I learned one technique from my former manager, actually told me, just find the person you know in the audience and look at this person all the time, especially in the first three, four minutes. And this person, if he smiles back to you, this is very relaxing. And you can have a buddy in your presentations and ask to reflect on you while you are mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the public speaking, uh, in, the, in the stage at the first moment. It's very helpful. Mm-hmm. You also have to find allies on giving a public speaking, right? So engage others on that. Help them uh, to help you. So that is very helpful as well. Okay. Yeah, I, I see your point. I th- I tend to do it like we really, really without thinking about it. But I just realize now this is actually something that I do. And if um, I don't know anyone, I just notice the first people that have that look like they are having a good time <laughs> and they're smiling, and I just um, keep going back to them, just looking at them from time to time when I feel very stressed during the presentation. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. Wow, I didn't you think see, about we it. Are, well. <laughs> As a human being, most of the time, we reflect the emotions of others. So it's very easy. If you want to have a good time, you look at people that are smiling. It's helping you to relax. And when you're relaxed, then your story, it's your story. So you know by default, mm-hmm. right? Wow, super. Thank you so much for, for this conversation today. Um, thank you for sharing your tips and tricks and sharing also your experience. That was really, uh, really insightful. Thank you, May. I think it was really a pleasure. Um, I, I really enjoyed, you know, sharing uh, tips about uh, stories. And yeah, let's keep sharing stories to the world. Thank you very much. So that's all, folks. Thanks a lot for tuning in to DGSE Talks and joining me today along with my guests. All in all, Storytelling is not a new discovery. We've been using it since the dawn of time in our daily lives. So why not use it in our daily business and improve significantly our way of working? Use the hero journey structure Regu and Monica shared with us. Stay authentic. Don't be afraid to be vulnerable and take your audience in an emotionally packed journey. 
everyone has their story to tell. What's yours? Make sure to go to talks.tse.group, subscribe to our podcast and leave us a feedback. Our next episode will be about women in power. As a woman, I'm obviously excited to have a talk with leaders to learn more about what it is like to be a woman at the top of the corporate ladder. So stay tuned.